From the fall of Saigon to the fall of Afghanistan, soldiers have been fighting wars that were never finished and with their missions abandoned. Back at home, the soldiers who fought in those regions find themselves once again at war, not with the foreign enemy, but with the very nation that sent them there. For over 20 years, the global war on terrorism has injured and killed tens of thousands of American service members. On my orders, the United States military has begun strikes in Afghanistan. The ones that survived their injuries and returned home are being dishonorably discharged at an alarming rate. The Department of Defense is stripping them of their benefits, honors, and most importantly, their dignity leaving them without the vital medical care and financial support owed to them and their families. They are being abandoned by the very individuals who sent them off to war. And for many, it's a death sentence. And confidential informants inside the Department of Defense go on the record as to why the DOD is doing this how they're doing it, and what they're doing to individuals who speak up. This extends into other disturbing areas of concern across all branches of the military. The Department of Defense can no longer be allowed to police itself. The corruption runs deep. The abusive discharge practices must come to an end. The American people must stand up and demand congressional action. Left, right, or center, this is one issue the country can and will galvanize around. Congress must hear all of our voices, and soon they will. A dignified transfer for the 13 U.S. troops killed in Kabul this week, most of them children when the war in Afghanistan began nearly two decades ago. We've got to realize we're at war, and we're not just at war to support the Ukrainians. We're fundamentally at war, although it's somewhat through a proxy, with Russia, and it's important that we win. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to The Rob Beta Show for our first inaugural Whistleblower Wednesday. Uh, let me tell you, folks, we've still got that great lineup. You heard about it just before the show came on. Uh, but uh, we're also in the live chat on the Rumble channel for Red Voice Media. So go there uh, at Red Voice Media's Rumble channel. And uh, they're up on the chat room in the uh, Getter channel, too. So go to those live chats. If you ask questions uh, or have comments, I'll try to address them during the show. Uh, but let's get on with it. You know, whistleblowers... Uh, they bring wrongdoing by government, as you just saw in the abandoned trailer, uh, corporate and private organizations to the public's attention so that they can be addressed in the light of day. You know, they're, they are just a critical pathway to ground truth in this 21st century America we live in. And these whistleblowers need our support and our protection. And most importantly, they need us to help get the stories out. Well, today's guest is uh, 
is uh, Dick Gray. He is the uh, he's exposing DOD corruption. He's the executive uh, producer for that trailer movie that you just saw. Uh, he's a friend of mine. Uh, he's been on the Rob Manus uh, show before, but he's also the founder of a new operation called Fabius Overwatch. Uh, if you're not following at symbol Fabius Overwatch on the uh, uh, on Twitter, then you need to go there right now. Follow it. Uh, put on the notifications because it's going to become critically important. And you'll see as we go through today's show. Uh, but uh, uh, Nick's also a former member of the United States Army. He's a combat veteran from uh, with OIF experience. And we appreciate his work in both of these areas. Uh, Nick Gray, welcome back to the Rob Mana Show for our first whistleblower episode. Hey, thanks for having me here, Rob. Appreciate it, sir. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Uh, the uh, I wanted to start with that trailer. I had actually not seen it before I did my pr- my show prep for the show today over the, the previous uh, couple of days, and uh, it's fabulously done. Uh, but more importantly, the message that that movie is going to send and the trailer is sending is uh, critically, critically important. Uh, tell, tell the audience about why you took that project on, uh, and then lead us into uh, what Fabius Overwatch is all about. Yeah, that, that's a great question, and I was actually I was actually pleasantly surprised to to see the opening uh, of the trailer itself. So so thank you for that that uh, that plug. I appreciate that. So yeah, I mean, so the the objective behind the the documentary Abandon uh, is really to inform the American public about the abusive discharge practices that are taking place uh, against the injured service members, uh, primarily on the active duty side. That, that's really one distinction that people need to understand is that this is all about what happens to these injured active duty service members before they leave the military and how that impacts not only them but their families but also communities across the entire country um so the reason as to why we did it is because the only way that we see for real and meaningful change to take place is for third-party oversight to be established over the entire discharge process of injured service members and now, unfortunately, you know, we've worked with Congress throughout the years and we've gotten certain pieces of legislation passed the National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, but we continuously come across the same uh, infractions uh, by command and by the DOD. And the only way for there to actually be real change is for a third party oversight body, really just to make sure that both policy and procedure are being followed in the discharge process. And the fact that we have worked with Congress to get certain pieces of legislation passed, yet we continue to come across the same infractions by command tells us that they're not only responsible for implementing the policy changes, but they're also responsible for making sure that they're they're being followed and enforced. And sadly, uh, they're not. And what that also tells us is the fact that what they're doing is intentional. And I, I do want to say, though, is that, you know, this is not to disparage, you know, all officers, every single person in the military, a majority of the individuals in those command structures are good and honorable people. And I think that's really important for uh, your viewers to understand that. However, as we know, in any organization, it only takes a small amount of bad apples to spoil the entire bunch. And that's really what's taking place. Yeah, uh, it, uh... 
you know, I'll just remind everybody, uh, you know, the concept of oversight is not to take uh, uh, the required uh, uh, authorities out of the hands of commanders and senior NCOs and those kind of things. Uh, it's to provide uh, overwatch, basically, uh, uh, for those folks, because as you said, you know, uh, the few bad apples, it's just like anything else. Uh, you know, <laughs> I had, uh, I had 630 security forces personnel working for me in my last air force job, uh, under one of my, my group commands. And, uh, you know, uh, there were a couple of young airmen there that got in trouble a lot and it smeared the reputation for the entire force. And, uh, that can have a lot of impact. So, you know, one commander out of a thousand, uh, having trouble, uh, uh, by either willfully or unknowingly, uh, uh, not following the proper policy and procedure and causing harm and, and, and really the, you know, taking away the dignity of these veterans. Uh, most of the ones we're talking about are combat veterans that have been injured in combat in one way or another. Uh, it's really important that, uh, we provide those commanders with that overwatch. It's a tool to, uh, to make sure that we don't end up uh, uh, with folks in situations like what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so tell us about uh, Fabius Overwatch. Speaking of Overwatch, I love it. Uh, uh, I kind of stumbled across it. It popped up on my Twitter feed, probably because I follow you uh, on Twitter, uh, uh, before we set up this interview and I started watching it and followed it and put my notifications on and, and, uh, realized, Hey, that's, uh, that's Dick Gray <laughs> that's doing it. So why did you start this operation? Uh, because you were, uh, the president of, uh, uh, us JAG, which is the organization that, uh, has done the video abandoned. Uh, but now you've moved to this Fabius Overwatch, and I'm very curious to hear what you tell the audience about it. Yeah, so so I'll I'll start with the you know the overview of, of Fabius Overwatch and the objective behind it. So the the objective is is very simple: is that it it's a it's an outlet that allows whistleblowers to come to the platform and uh, submit things that they are they are seeing that that is wrongdoings or malfeasance or even corruption in some cases inside the Department of Defense. And what we do from there is that uh, the number one is that we have an advocacy group that specializes in providing resources for whistleblowers and dealing with the IG within the DOD to make sure that you know everything is above board and they're, and they're going through the proper channels. And it's really it's a personal concierge for the, for the whistleblowers to make them feel safe. Uh, that that's the beginning. Now what happens there is that when these whistleblowers come forward. On the other side of the platform, we also have a, a bench of investigative journalists uh, from a whole host of media outlets across the country that specialize in specific areas of journalism. And then effectively what we do is that we analyze it and then we play matchmaker. And we go ahead and connect the whistleblowers with the appropriate investigative journalists to go ahead, do the investigative work, and then get the story out there uh, to the appropriate channels. Um, how this all took place is that you mentioned US JAG, and I'm still, you know, the, the CEO of, of US JAG, and Fabius Overwatch is actually an initiative by by US JAG, so it's an extension of of what we've been doing for the last 16 years. And when when we work cases at US JAG, a lot of times we come across. Um, you know, whistleblowers or different uh, contacts through our forensic investigations 
that fall technically outside of the scope of what we what we are doing, and that's really to ensure that these injured service members are going to be given the proper discharge. Um, from there, what we've done historically is that we have taken our client stories and then we have provided them to certain uh, investigative journalists with certain media outlets uh, to tell their story. And you obviously saw the latest um, Fabius exclusive that, that just launched this week. Um, so it's really no different than the things that we've been doing in the past, but you know, I have a history in, in the tech background and I've built software companies, I've built platform plays. And the reality is, is that at a certain point in time, any organization has a lot of things going on and they're all good things and they're all providing value, but they require different resources, different human capital, uh, different budgetary needs and so forth. And so at that point, it's best to go ahead and create separate divisions or bifurcate them, however you want to classify that. And so that was the intention as to why Fabius Overwatch was set up is because it has different needs than what US JAG has. And so probably the best way to look at it is, is that it's a way for us to scale uh, the organization and get more and more stories out there because the only way that real change is going to come is for having these stories told to the American people. Uh, you're exactly right. Uh, that's uh, very interesting, you know, because uh, uh, I remember when we first talked about US JAG, it, it appears that the, the success of that organization has created, uh, not created, but has, uh, but has uh, collected this pool of customers called whistleblowers uh, that needed that need a specific set of support systems. Uh, and it sounds like uh, Fabius Overwatch is uh, designed to do exactly that. You mentioned the first uh, first investigative journalist article. Uh, I want to get into that after our break here. We do have to pay bills since we're a live show now, <laughs> Nick. Uh, so we've got to uh, take a break here in a second to uh, uh, let the advertisers do their thing. And we'll come back and we'll talk about Sergeant Ortiz. Uh, and uh, this uh, explosive article that's breaking on Epoch Times uh, right now. It's in a two-part. Uh, I think the second part came out this morning or late last night. Uh, and uh, when I first heard about this story, I was just absolutely stunned. It is stunning what occurred uh, without following uh, appropriate combat policy. And... Uh, I look forward to listening to you tell the story of how you came across this man and uh, what the developments are uh, coming out of the article. All right, let's go. Let's go to the first break. Pay some bills. Have you heard of Executive Order 14067? This little-known order implemented the digital dollar, the most sinister plan to control your spending. And it gets worse. In November, the federal government and banks began a test program to roll out the digital dollar. With this, privacy for all Americans will be lost forever. Imagine, the government can now track all of your spending. The government can tell you what you can and can't buy. The government could confiscate your cash. When digital currency was rolled out in China, Bloomberg wrote, quote, this will lead to control like no other, end quote. The EU has announced that they are next, but it is already happening in America, which makes this wealth protection guide that American Alternative Assets just put out even more urgent. 
Project Hamilton, as this secret order is being called, might be the scariest order to happen to privacy and freedom in America since its founding, which makes this wealth protection guide so incredibly valuable right now. Move your money out of cash and into something that doesn't infringe on your privacy. You see, there is one legal IRS-proof loophole that could protect your IRA, 401k, and pension savings with gold and silver. And this free guide tells you exactly which steps you need to take right now to move part of your IRA or 401k into precious metals with no tax consequences. As this program rolls out, the sky's the limit for the level of government control that could be enforced on your money. Protect your savings and your privacy. But in the devastation ahead, American Alternative Assets is offering you something rare. A chance to protect your wealth and possibly even grow it. Welcome back to the Rob Beta Show for our first Whistleblower Wednesday show. Uh, and uh, Mr. Producer Disco, please bring up the photograph and the headline of the article that we're going to talk uh, talk with uh, Nick Gray about in our continuing discussion about whistleblowers. Uh, uh, this is a picture of Sergeant Ortiz. Uh, he's a Marine combat veteran. And uh, you can read the headline for yourself. So this is extremely important. It's been published by Epoch Times, written by a friend of Americans and veterans, a very good friend of veterans, uh, Jim Phelps, uh, over there. And we deeply appreciate that. Uh, so, Nick, uh, uh, as we go to talk about this story, I, I, I want to make sure that we bring the audience in to have an understanding of how uh, the information developed for you all uh, as you discover, investigated and discovered uh, this absolute cover-up, it appears. Go ahead. All right, yeah, so bring that down. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just like in, in, in many cases, so now we're, we're, we're talking about U.S. JAG and the forensic investigations that we conduct inside of the Department of Defense is that in many situations, um, we will have people from inside of the DOD that are seeing something that is not right with an individual uh, service member or a group of service members. Uh, primarily, they come to us when they are in a, a medical uh, evaluation board or in a chapter process to be thrown out of the military under less than honorable conditions. And so what happened here is that there was somebody inside of the, the DOD, I've got to keep it very high level because we don't want to uh, reveal our sources or really where everything's coming yeah. from. Yeah. But they, um, they provided, uh, in this case, Sergeant Ortiz, um, our information, and, and he reached out to us, which happens in many cases. Um, we don't know who the person was that, that handed him the information of ours to him, but he did. He reached out to us. And uh, what happened is that he, instead of being put into a medical evaluation board to be medically retired, uh, they were moving to not only uh, chapter him out of the military, but they were moving to chapter him uh, under uh, other than honorable conditions and even moving to the point to where they're putting in for his deportation 
back to uh, the Dominican Republic. Um, yeah, just, so just so folks understand, Ortiz was, uh, was a legal resident of the United States that wanted to become a citizen and be a good Marine. I mean, those were his two goals. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he immigrated here at the very young age, was in New York for a little bit. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, his, you know, his father was absent. His mother could no longer, you know, afford to pay the bills. And then eventually he found himself in Florida living with his aunt and uncle. And he just loves this country so much. And he just from an early age wanted to be a Marine. And he went to the recruiting office and they told him what he needed to do. He did it. And he became a Marine in, I think it was 2015 that when that took place. And um, it's, just an, it's just an incredible story. And, you know, when we do this work, uh, man, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking in many cases. But you really get to know individuals on a personal level and not just them, but their family, their backstory, their kids. Um, and so it really becomes personal to us. Well, you know, it's just like. People like me, I mean, I see myself in this guy. Uh, you know, I was not an immigrant, but I, I just wanted to be uh, a successful uh, American airman. Uh, I had wanted to do that all my life because my dad showed that that life and profession to me. Uh, you know, and I wanted to fly airplanes for America and, uh, and fly in our Air Force and those kind of things. I mean, that's all I ever wanted to be. Uh, and I, when I hear Ortiz's story, I can I can feel the same emotion. And the same motivation uh, that drove the young kid that I was the same way he is. And then to see the story, and I'll let you tell it, uh, because uh, he was involved in just a maximum effort, which I've, I've been involved in, in combat in the Middle East and Southwest Asia, uh, in maximum efforts from a squadron commander level, uh, but not from his level. Uh, so tell the story. I mean, this guy is and his colleagues are American heroes based on the mission they were given, it sounds like to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and here's the thing, too, is that, you know, with this story, many people don't realize, and I was going through the Twitter feeds and the comments, you know, from our, from our, um, from our page, and some of the comments were, I didn't even know that we were in Syria. Uh, and, yeah. that's, and that is where this took place back in 2017. And so, so what happened here is that, um, Javier was in the Marine Corps and he was uh, deployed uh, to Syria and um, what happened over there and how this all translates into uh, to present day is that he was a part of a, uh, an artillery battery and uh, they were firing a massive amount of rounds and um, and effectively, what they were doing is that they were firing more rounds than what was uh, prescribed for them to do on a, on a daily basis. Um, and that was happening for 47 days straight. So, you know, policy and procedure states that they should fire no more than 12 rounds per day. Uh, these are the howitzers, too. And uh, through our forensic investigations, we uncovered the fact that they were firing um, almost up to 30 rounds a day for 47 days straight to the point as to where they were bleeding out of all their orifices. They had irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, they reported their symptoms to uh, the officers and uh, nothing, nothing took place. Nothing happened. There was no changes whatsoever. And uh, so these guys come back and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of jump around a little bit, but 
these guys come back from their deployment and actually before they left the deployment while they're outside of the wire, after they provided these complaints, um, and this wasn't in the in the story, but it is in our, in our forensic report, and we do have the evidence to support it. Uh, but they were also asked to sign uh, the equivalent of a non-disclosure agreement, not to discuss as to anything that took place over there, which is very bizarre because they already had security clearances. So typically, that's that's not something that would take place. Um, but when they redeployed back to the United States, uh, they started to experience a lot of symptoms. Uh, the suicide rate started to spike. Uh, even some homicides were taking place. And so they went and they were asking for help and they were denied help. And in, in our client situation, Javier's situation, um, they they moved to not only, um, you know, chapter him out of the military under uh, other honorable conditions, which strips him of all of his benefits, his dignity and, and his honor, uh, but they also moved as far as to put in for his deportation. Uh, that was something that I was unaware of what was even possible if you even you know gained your citizenship through your service. But apparently there is a law out there that somebody that um, you know gained citizenship through uh, their service and if they are provided a an other than honorable discharge, then they can in fact have their citizenship revoked from them. Wow, that's uh. That's incredible uh, to hear that, Dick, uh, and, it, and it's uh, it's really abhorrent to me because uh, you know when you read the story about what they were doing in the unit, uh, it was an important mission uh, based on what I the way I understood the plan was and the objectives were, uh, but but to exceed these the physical uh, uh, the physical standards. Uh, to do that, because when you're talking about bleeding from every orifice and uh, and then homicides and suicides on the uh, on you know when you get home and those kind of things, that sounds like people that have been uh, uh, been uh, suffered uh, 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 hyperbaric disease, you know, uh, like the bins and those kind of things. It also sounds like people that have suffered uh, traumatic brain injuries and and massive amounts of concussions uh, and those kinds of things. Uh, so is that what the physical effects of this massive use of firepower and exceeding those those operational limits uh, were? And for how long did they do that? Yeah, exactly. So so the 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 term here is what's really important for people to understand, and it's called blast overpressure exposure, um, BOP for short. And so effectively what that is, is when a round or projectile is fired, you're going to have this blowback. And that blowback um, is the, the concussion, all right? And the higher the charge of a round, the bigger the concussion and the blowback is. Now, in the article itself, uh, we uh, Dr. Beckman what was interviewed from TreatNow, who specializes in traumatic brain injury and so forth, uh, primarily from IEDs. And, and what blast overpressure does is that it targets every single organ in the human body, but it primarily affects the organs that have a, uh, a large amount of oxygen inside of it. Um, in this case, obviously, that's going to be the intestines, and then that obviously was leads, leads to the irritable bowel syndrome and things of that nature. 
But also what it does is that it turns the brain into oatmeal or into mush. Uh, so it would be the equivalent of shaken baby syndrome, but for an adult. And so if you can think about it, you know, take, take a baby, maybe it's, you know, shaken one time too hard, that could be fatal for, for that child. Now, if you're shaking that child or these human beings in this case up to 30 times a day for 47 days straight, just imagine what that does to the human body, to the mind, et cetera. Um, and, and it's, it's absolutely just, uh, it, it just, it's just incredible. And, and that's the reason as to why they have these policies and procedures as to where they're not supposed to fire more than 12 rounds in a 24 hour period. Now, this is the interesting thing is that through our forensic investigations, what we uncovered was a report that was commissioned by the Marine Corps to study the unit that replaced Javier's unit. And the reason why is because when Javier's unit came back, they obviously were noticing these signs because they were they were uh, coming forward and saying we're not okay. The suicide started spiking, homicide started taking place. And their own report implicated themselves in this entire thing. They admitted that they went ahead and broke their own policies and procedure. And so when we did our forensic investigation, we presented their own report to them. Okay, mm -hmm. mind you, yeah. our forensic report as well, all the medical documentation, um, you know, doctors and everything coming forward and saying, this is not okay. They ignored it all. They wow. ignored every single piece of it, didn't give a rip. Hmm. That's, that's, that's just unfortunate uh, and disappointing, you know, uh, having, you know, I've worked with folks that do this work uh, in the government and Department of Defense, you know, and, and as we said at the beginning of this, most people, 99% are really great people, uh, but it certainly sounds like uh, there is something going on here from a policy perspective uh, that you guys either have uncovered or, or are about to bring to light. And I want to talk about that on the next, the backside of this break that we're about mm -hmm. to take here uh, and get into that and, and then uh, give folks the information about how Sergeant Ortiz is doing and what the current situation is with him. And then we'll move into, I want to move into another whistleblower aspect uh, and, and uh, I'll call it the uh, classified whistleblower process and see what your thoughts are on that and how that can be fixed because the, the video I'll show that talks about some issues with people that have been whistleblowers in that area and uh, gotten in a lot of trouble. Let's go to that break and pay some more bills. We love the internet, but the internet is tracking everything you do. Take control of your online privacy with IP Vanish. People with malicious intent are everywhere watching you. Criminals can hack your Wi-Fi, while broadband providers and advertisers monitor your data. With IP Vanish on your device, your internet activity is encrypted. No one can see what you're doing. Your location, your connection, completely hidden. Protect your internet privacy today with IP Vanish.
Welcome back to the Rob Manus Show. And folks, if you uh, haven't been following along with us, the uh, the uh, live chat is open on the Rumble channel for Red Voice Media Network uh, and on the Getter Red Voice Media Network channel. Uh, if you have questions or comments that uh, you'd like to get addressed during the show, uh, our guest is uh, Nick Gray. He is the uh, uh, CEO of US JAG and the founder of Fabius Overwatch. And we're discussing all about whistleblowers today and the positive effects and impacts uh, that they have and should have on improving government, improving operations, and improving the health and lives of very important Americans like our U.S. veterans and everything. Uh, well, Nick, we were talking about uh, Sergeant Ortiz's situation and the unit uh, that followed them in the report that you had presented uh, that they basically ignored. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, and that's really sad. It's really sad. It doesn't make any sense. So is there something bigger going on uh, that you're hearing from maybe more whistleblowers as you've moved through this investigation uh, or confidential informants that, uh, uh, that, that, that leads us to believe that this is a policy issue that's much more widespread than just one unit? Yes. And I have to be very careful, obviously, as to what I'm you know, going to say on, on this show. But what I can say is that this goes much, much, much deeper than just Javier. Uh, we have come across other individuals from other branches uh, in the same time period when they served in the Middle East, uh, different you know, war zones, different countries, things of that nature. But the the same outcome, um, you know, took place, and so more information on that will be coming out here um, within the next few weeks. Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. But uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, well, I think that's important for folks to understand that uh, the this work uh, and and whistleblower work itself is, it, it, as I said at the beginning, and you've emphasized over and over, uh, the outcomes uh, of these types of uh, folks coming forward uh, can and should and must uh, uh, have a positive impact on future policy, future operations, the health of. Uh, of the folks that work in these operations and things. So that's our goal, is to highlight uh, the whistleblower process. Uh, what is Sergeant Ortiz's st current status uh, uh, and, and the possibilities of, for his future at this point? Yeah, so that is, is actually a, um, a very good you know, update to the story uh, because there for a while we were pretty concerned you know about his you know mental well-being as as you know most people would be that have gone through all of that i mean because if you go back to it you know he was brain injured and he was thrown out of the military uh, mind you with a pregnant wife and a child and was stripped of any any sort of medical you know benefits that he had and so he he didn't have the ability to to get better um, but, you know, one of the things that we do on an occasional basis, limited amount of resources, obviously, is that we'll continue to advocate and help our, our clients after the fact once they're in the, the civilian world. And so we worked with, uh, with him and, and the VA um, and getting upgrades and things of that nature. And, and so we're happy to, to, you know, to report that, you know, he has now been deemed 100 percent disabled by the VA. 
All right, so that's actually a very important uh, you know, data point to, to highlight is because when he was going through the, the, the chapter process on the active duty side, they were effectively saying that there was nothing wrong with him, that he was just a piece of crap. And lo and behold, you go to the VA side and they say, wow, I mean, you're 100% disabled. Um, so, you know, I think that that's pretty telling, but, you know, where he's at right now from, you know, from a mental standpoint and, you know, where he's at with his family and his kids, um, he's in a good place. He's in a really good place. And it took a lot of courage for him to come forward and tell this story. Uh, because, you know, you you know, because the thing is, is that, I mean, we've all served in combat zones and, and there's things over there that we just don't really want to talk about because it brings back bad memories. But the reason as to why he shared his story is because it, partly it's, it's therapeutic, you know, for somebody to you know, tell their story. Yeah. But most importantly is because he didn't he doesn't he didn't want this to happen to his other fellow brothers and sisters. That's the main thing. And he also yeah. wanted to bring light to this is because. Javier is not alone. There are hundreds, if not thousands of other Marines and others from other branches of the military that were subjected to the exact same thing as he was. Exactly. And, uh, that's why I keep uh, harping on, a, on, on, the, uh, on the subject is, you know, uh, these folks coming forward improves the lives uh, and improves policy and prevents this kind of thing from happening to the next generation that follow down the line, uh, because there will be a next generation, and it's our responsibility uh, to, uh, while we're in uniform, to try to make sure that doesn't happen. And uh, I feel like it's my responsibility as a retired military uh, commander and veteran myself uh, to make sure that it doesn't happen and to help these folks. Well, that's a great story, Nick, but. But you also created Fabius Overwatch, as you mentioned earlier, about providing the tools for whistleblowers to uh, to get it right, you know, and then get the word out through the reporter pool and those kind of things. And one of the concerns I've always had is with the classified arenas whistleblowing process, because people get in trouble for it all the time. Let's watch this clip. Uh, this go from Graham Allen's Twitter of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Julian Assange is a newspaper publisher. He published leaked documents. You know, why are we... I mean, if I was any newspaper publisher in this country, I would be worried about that, that now he can go to jail for life because he published leaked documents of great import to the American people, of things that should not have been secret, that we should have known about, um, revelations that affect our civil rights affect our foreign policy, affect things that we have a right to know about. And, you know, it's it's really, it, it's strange that there's any support for his imprisonment among the press. And I think the press is beginning to figure this out finally. The most controversial of those figures is Edwin Snowden. But Edwin Snowden um, released documents that showed us that we were all being spied upon. Yeah. And that's important for Americans to know. And in fact, it was so important that Congress passed laws based upon his revelations to protect the American people. So why are we punishing the whistleblower rather than punishing the people who were, 
you know, who were illegally spying on us. That's what we should be doing. We shouldn't be jailing dissenters in our country. We shouldn't be jailing whistleblowers. We should be jailing the people who break the law. And Mr. Kennedy is absolutely right uh, there. Yes, uh, most whistleblowers uh, should not be prosecuted. Now, in the military, we have a problem when you have a security clearance and you go public with classified information uh, and give it a, give it away. Uh, that crosses all kinds of legal lines on the Uniform Code of Military Justice, your duty, etc. cetera. Uh, and commanders have a lot of tools to deal with that. But what I've always been concerned about since the Snowden uh, uh, release is that the process for whistleblowing through a classified channel uh, must not be very good. And I don't think it's good at all, and it continues to be poor. Uh, and is there a way uh, or an organization uh, that can help get that facilitated so they get to the right people with the right information so the information can be investigated and looked at uh, without crossing those lines? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's a... And, and you would get this better than most people just because of the, the, the level that you were, you know, at the Pentagon and so forth. And so you understand classified much better than, say, I, who was just a, just an E5 in Iraq, you know, that weren't giving me, you know, all the all, all the all the, the download. But, you know, I mean, you have to have guardrails in place, obviously, for classified information. It's classified for a particular reason. Now, you, one could make the argument that we over-classify everything. And in some cases, it's classified in perpetuity, which makes zero sense. But I think one of the biggest issues when it comes to whistleblowers, and particularly when it pertains to classified information, is a lack of trust. A lack of trust in who they can go to. And, you know, and who that individual is and lack of guidance. Um, you know, the IG within the DOD is an absolute bureaucratic mess. And yeah. people don't know really what to do because they're getting mixed messaging and things of that nature. And that was something that, that we really, um, you know, keyed in on uh, in the early days. And so as we're, you know, setting up and, and building out Fabius Overwatch, one of the things that, that I obviously knew about myself is that I'm not an expert in in IG and things of that nature, but I know people that are, and I know people that already advocate for whistleblowers and help them through the IG process. And so part of setting up this entire platform was actually consulting with them and getting all the guardrails in place on our end, but then also bringing them in as to where they can now provide that, that advocacy work um, and services for for the whistleblowers that come to us. Well, that see, that's one of the reasons why I thought it was very important to get you on here to talk about Fabius because uh, uh, that the organization and the process is desperately needed, and we've got to get it get the word out to everybody that works across the government uh, because there there is a need for for people to come forward across this government. Uh, and I know they're there. I hear from people a lot, uh, but I also hear this. We don't want to lose our retirement. We don't want to go to prison. Yeah. The federal uh, judiciary, the Department of Justice, uh, look what they're doing to the J6 political prisoners, the people that were 
that were just walking through doors or uh, nonviolent folks and those kind of things. Look what they're doing uh, by, by convicting people of seditious conspiracy just for what they said. Uh, so people in government are, and, and in the military are talking about that. So this, this concept is desperately needed, and we've got to get the word out, folks. And I'll say it again. If, you're, if you haven't seen Fabius Overwatch on Twitter yet, go to at Fabius Overwatch uh, Twitter handle, follow it, uh, and go check out uh, their processes and their capability. Uh, and uh, the, their first article was the article about uh, Sergeant Ortiz from the Epoch Times, and I'm sure that we're going to see many, many more. We're coming up on another break, Nick. Uh, I'd like for you to stay with me for the last segment for a few minutes uh, uh, because I want to I show a video that explains to people very clearly you can see why this is important uh, for us to have this capability to get the word out uh, to the right people to make positive change in future policy and future actions of those in government uh, uh, and the impact on the folks that work in government like our veterans. All right, let's go. Let's go to the next break and pay our bills. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My Pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My Pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a my pillow or not, you need to get the brand new my pillow 2.0. Call or go to mypillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time, when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better and cooler too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit mypillow.com. Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show Whistleblower Wednesday. We're talking with uh, uh, Army veteran and uh, CEO of US JAG and founder of Fabius Overwatch, Nick Gray, uh, about the importance of the whistleblower concept and, and what it means to have a good set of uh, not just rules, but organizations that can support uh, this effort. Uh, let's, go, let's go ahead and play that last RFK video. The espionage section sees its job as justifying all of these, uh, you know, these nefarious uh, activities that are involved, and then there's no accountability. So there's never any accountability, and they do, you know, they, you overthrow a government in Iraq, and what happens? You create a ISIS. You then get involved in Syria from ISIS, and you drive two million uh, civilian or two million refugees into Europe which destabilizes democracy all over Europe and basically causes Brexit. And that is the, you know, that's the outcome of a, of a, what the CIA considers a successful operation to depose Saddam Hussein. Is it really successful? I don't think so. 
And and unfortunately, you know, we we have a 60-year war with Iraq, and that war began when the CIA overthrew the first democratically elected government in the 6,000-year history of Persia. And we are still living with the blowback from that operation. No accountability, and these agencies need to be accountable, and I would break up the CIA in a way that would make them accountable. Now, Mr. Kennedy's uncle said something similar to that, too. So let's hope that uh, nothing happens to him. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, one of the messages that he's he's giving is uh, uh, and that one right there is is why it's important, because why it's important to have people uh, that have a process uh, so they can find the courage uh, to come forward and say this is wrong without threat of losing their their ability to to you know, their livelihoods and everything they've worked for uh, and those kind of things. I mean, yeah, it, that, that that still happens. And I think that's a big reason why I think monetary reasons is a big reason why people don't come forward. But what he talks about, those issues, those events are the exact reason why people need to have that process that can keep them as protected as possible to get the information out. Because imagine if we had had uh, had several whistleblowers come forward when the run-up to the Iraq War was happening, or or even even when the CIA did take out uh, the uh, first democratically elected government of Iraq uh, that started the whole ball uh, rolling. If we had had a process uh, to enable that type of capability, we may not even be having uh, a lot of the conversations about a Sergeant Ortiz because he may not have been there. That unit may not have been there. Yeah, and there's, I mean, that, that's, it just reminds me of something that I've always said, which is the best way to support the military is to give them the equipment to be successful, but have a foreign policy that prevents them from ever having to use them. Exactly. And, and obviously, you know, our, our history as of late of quote unquote nation building is not really working out too well. Uh, it works out for some, you know, if you got stocks and some some uh, defense contractors and so forth, but it doesn't work out for the average person, and it sure as hell didn't work out for Javier, nor many of the people that he served with. Um, it's it's just it's 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 disheartening to say the least. Uh, what do you see as the uh, before I let you go? Uh, what do you see as the uh, the future efforts of Fabius Overwatch? I mean, you just started this this part of the program, uh, uh, how are you, uh, number one, getting the word out, uh, uh, but uh, what types of, go through the litany of capabilities that the organization is going to provide so people understand when they go back and review this program, uh, once it comes out as a recording uh, about it, and they can just go to fabiusoverwatch.org, that's the website, folks, and, uh, and check it out, but uh, I, wanna, I want them to hear it from you, uh, the way forward with this. Yeah, we got some really exciting things coming online here um, in, in the not too distant future. I mean, just like any you know new business that you start, you don't throw everything at it at once. You just get your MVP out there and learn from it, iterate, and then push forward once again. So the, the first phase of this obviously is uh, connecting whistleblowers with investigative journalists. You know, one of the big benefits also to the investigative journalists is the fact that they get stories brought to them from a vetted source. Um, 
i.e. that would be US JAG also in conjunction with, with the, uh, the platform itself. Uh, we've already talked about the benefits to the to the whistleblowers, you know, but also to, you know, citizens in, in this country. I mean, these are things that that's important for them, you know, to understand uh, as to what's going on in their country, uh, because ultimately this affects our national security. That's what it comes down to, is that it affects our national security. And the more that we get this information out there, the more that the more changes that that, that take place and then we're all safer uh, from that perspective. Um, but yeah, this is phase one. And then what will be happening too is that we are actually in the process of uh, putting together a podcast. So as these stories come out, we'll start to be interviewing, you know, the whistleblowers that are a part of it, uh, the investigative journalists uh, that, you know, have, have wrote the stories, um, but also just experts uh, in national security and just like-minded uh, things that are associated with the, um, with the, with the stories that we're working on. Um, so that's really the short-term uh, goal right there. Um, and then, you know, later on down the road, uh, we obviously have the, uh, the documentary in the works, and so that'll be released at some point in time as well. Um, that's been an interesting ride. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. Uh, when we released the trailer, uh, let's just say that uh, there were some certain individuals out there that were not too happy about it, and uh, they made every effort to uh, make sure people were not able to see that, uh, which is probably actually why you never saw it to begin with until today. Uh, but that's that's what's coming down the pike. And all I would ask is that people go to uh, our Twitter handle, follow us, go to our website. Um, there's an opportunity there. You can become a monthly contributor. Uh, you know, we are still a nonprofit. we got to pay our bills as well. Uh, but that's that's what's coming down the pike. So some really good things uh, are going to be happening here shortly. Well, uh, you're absolutely right. They are good things. Uh, and uh, uh, I'm glad I I played the trailer now. It was meant to be a surprise for you, <laughs> and it was. Uh, it was a good, a good surprise. So uh, uh, it's been, it's been out to tens of thousands on live television today. So uh, uh, and more people are watching us now that uh, uh, you know that that uh, cable company did away with Tucker Carlson uh, than have ever watched before, which I think is the reason they let my little show go live four days a week. Uh, we definitely appreciate you. Appreciate the work you're doing. Please keep us in the loop, uh, and uh, we will uh, look forward to having you back on uh, uh, in the near future, if at all possible, for Whistleblower Wednesdays. Uh, because one of the things that I found, and the reason why I made a theme day uh, named the Whistleblower Wednesday, is because there is so much material out there, uh, and it's that's just the material you can see in public. So underneath, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, there, there is a need for this type of activity, uh, but this type of activity is happening many, many times every single day. Uh, so it's easy to fill up a one-hour live show with it every single week. As a matter of fact, I could probably do a whistleblower day two or three times a week uh, and not run out of material. Uh, so we appreciate you, Nick. Uh, and uh, you can follow Nick at Nick Gray. U.S. JAG, right on uh, Twitter? Is that correct? Or USA? Uh, you, you Nick got Gray half, USA. Yeah, you yeah. got half right, but yeah. yeah. So it's Nick Gray USA. So N I C G R A Y, and then obviously the other one's going to be uh, Fabius Overwatch. Well, we appreciate you, man. Thank you very much for coming on. I look forward to having you back again someday. Thank you, sir. I have a pretty good suspicion that it's going to be sooner than later. You betcha. God bless uh, you.
Take care. That was Nick Gray, uh, uh, CEO of US JAG and founder of Fabius Overwatch. Go to FabiusOverwatch.org. Go to Twitter, uh, Fabius Overwatch, at Fabius Overwatch. Follow it. Set the notes on, folks. You have to follow what's going on there. Uh, these men and women uh, that are being brought out to the public and being supported there are the people that are helping to save this country from what's happening in the government. Uh, and uh, we need you. We need you to step up uh, and uh, find the courage uh, and find the tools. Fabius Overwatch is one of those tools. Disco, why don't you go ahead and bring up my flyer. Folks, I want to talk about uh, Veterans Outreach Mississippi. It's veteransoutreachms.org. Uh, they have got a annual benefit ride coming up on May 13th, 2023, from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. But you can go, there's the website right there. You can go to veterans, uh, veteransoutreachms.org. That's veteransoutreachinmississippi.org and find out all the information you need to about that benefit ride that's happening on May 13th. Uh, and just support them. They help uh, veterans that are in nursing homes that that need assistance with their benefits and need assistance with finding the right care. Uh, and believe me, we have to have advocates out there that do it. No matter how good the VA ever gets or the state nursing homes ever get, there will always be a need for a veterans advocate. And a lot of these veterans outlive their families, so they need this help. So veteransoutreachms.org. Uh, I'm gonna pitch now to Drew Berquist, uh, it's my show. This is my show with Drew Berquist. And after that, it'll be booze and banner. I look forward to joining that show in person at, at some point soon, hopefully, uh, in the near future, like next week, Drew. Uh, and, uh, and then you've got, uh, the rest of the evening show winding up with Wayne Dupree, who is my friend at Air Force colleague, uh, Wayne at the Wayne Dupree show. And he's a phenomenal ad to the Red Voice Media Network. So over to you, Drew.